0: There has never been anything more exciting, invigorating, challenging, and beautiful all at the same time than living into the heart and love of Jesus. I just, I'm captivated by it. Hey everybody, welcome
1: back to season two of the podcast. My old buddy Cam
2: Houck.
1: What's going on guys? Hey, we've got a special guest to kick off Season 2 this morning, somebody everybody around here knows and loves. thought we'd take a minute and hear a little bit about who he is, what he does here at Holland Christian, Dave Mustard. Hey, thanks for having me. Dave, so grateful for you to join us this morning. Can we just start with a little bit, I think most students, we see you all the time, but what exactly is your official role here at Holland Christian?
0: Sure. Yeah. Um, So I've been here now for 15 years, started as a teacher. I know. I know I look much younger than that, which of course the listeners can't see, but... He does. Very youthful, obviously, (laughs) I'm sure. Um, And yet, yeah, it's been 15 years and I've loved it. I started as a teacher. Um, I taught world history and US history for one year. Um, And then the next year I started teaching world history and psychology. Um, after coming in for a, a portion of time teaching Bible as a long-term sub for one of our teachers who um, had to take some time off for medical reason, which was actually my the, the bulk of my education was in biblical studies. But then, for a teachable major, I chose history and communication arts as a minor, uh, and a minor in psychology as well. So that's launched my career here, and through kind of a bunch of different administrators and visions for the institution um, to be more intentional around this idea of faith formation and faith development. A position was created of being the director of faith formation for Holland Christian Schools, uh, looking pre-K-12 to say, how are we walking intentionally with students, informing and shaping them, giving them knowledge and faith experiences that they grow up to be a little bit more like Jesus every year. And so that's kind of my job, is to Mm. oversee that program as a whole. The work of a Christian educator is not simply to pray before the class period. That's good, and so they should. So we, again, center ourselves, orient ourselves to the cause of Christ. But then it's in all the other pieces that we do, that Mm. we help our students see as people that are rooted in the Reformed tradition, that God is in all things and through him have their being. Hmm, I love that. It's our job, it's the Bible, it's a good way to start. Our job as educators, as professional Christian educators, is to reveal those things, right? So we believe God is there. So it's our job is to simply expose them. We believe that God is in science and literature and world language and uh, all the other coursework that we do. And our job is to teach those things well, all along, exposing the will and the heart of God through it
1: all. So you're saying what makes this a Christian school isn't just that we have a Bible class or we have chapels, but that everything we do is seen through God as creator, God
0: is at work in all of these fields and all these studies. Right. So that is those other things that you mentioned are in the bucket, let's say, of faith formation. So we do formative things, right? So we pray at the beginning of the day. We have a devotional. We have chapel. We have Bible classes. Those are all things that are forming or shaping us into the likeness of Jesus. Integration is formative, too. It's a separate bucket that requires a separate level of intentionality. So Mm. my job is to walk alongside staff, um, ask questions, and help them think deeply about their content and how... The cause of Christ matters deeply in those areas as well. So Dave, you've taught so many things. Your, your footprint
1: is felt in every department, I think, in this school. You've taught history, psychology, Bible. I know there are so many units, so many courses that have been shaped by ideas you've had over these 15 years. Why do you love to, I mean, do you strike me as someone who loves to learn, who loves to explore these, these subjects that you've pursued over the years? They're, they're like related, but they're also, I think, really different. Bible, psychology, history. Why
0: do you love to learn? What is it that kind of makes you tick in that way? You know, I don't, that's a great question. I've never, I should say not never, but growing up, I never saw myself as mm-hmm. a learner. Uh, school didn't come easy. I have a little bit of dyslexia, and so I don't read out loud ever, ever. Uh, because I, I'm terrible at it. Like I just fumble over words. My my eyes are going faster than my brain, and suddenly I'm four lines ahead, and the words are backwards. Mm-hmm. And so that was uh, all. Growing up, I never thought school was something that I was at all good mm-hmm. at, or then learning for that matter, uh, because it didn't come easy. Um, Mostly because of, like, again, formative moments, moments that shaped me. I can remember clearly in third grade trying to read out loud in class, right? The everybody open a page 43, and we'll start here in the front of the room and just sneak through the desks, everybody read a paragraph. And I remember just struggle bussing (laughs) through that paragraph even though I like, would count, right? You count seats and count paragraphs. You yeah, get yeah, your yeah, paragraph yeah. and just run the thing over and over. We have no idea what's happening in the story, but I'm going to get this paragraph. Yep, yep. And despite the fact that I at least was a little bit better at math than I was at reading, I at least had the right paragraph, but still just fumbled through it. And I remember hearing kind of to my back right uh, someone laughing at me trying to read. And I remember looking back, and I can still picture that face in my mind still today. Um, that was, that, I mean, obviously I'm almost 40 years old, and mm. I still remember a third grade moment mm. that was, that's, that's formative. That's shaped who I am. And again, from that moment on, very much so increasingly, I had an awareness of what other people thought of me, and that shaped my own opinion of myself and how I learned. Um, and so that was a big deal all the way through school. And it really wasn't until high school that I thought I could be good at school. Mm. And it's when I went to the Career Line Tech Center. I went to the Tech Center for Building Trades, and I loved it. Just really quick for someone who doesn't know what that is, what, what is the Career
1: Line Tech Center?
0: So, Ottawa County has this model where there's an opportunity for high school students in their junior and senior year to go and be a part of a different learning process. Typically, we call it vocational education. Uh, we're teaching you something that gets you into a vocation. So, it's building, it's electrical, it's EMS, it's uh, dental hygiene, it's uh, culinary arts. All of these courses, then you take for like a, a, a morning or an afternoon. So your whole morning or afternoon is spent in this one classroom, doing learning those things. And so I went to the Crane Tech Center for building trades. So we built a house my junior and senior year. Both houses that we built were in Tiffany Shores. Um, hmm. They're great houses. And so we learned all aspects of. Concrete to banging boards together, to building the cabinetry that goes in the kitchen, mm-hmm. and it was excellent. And for the first time, I thought, "Boy, I can, I am crushing school. I, I can I'm be, be good successful." Yes, right. And um, that was a that was that again too was very formative in my life. You've used the word formative a whole bunch. I love that yeah, word. Who, apparently. who
1: who've been some formative people? Would you say? And maybe even in that that kind of window of time in high school, were there any formative people who stepped in? and maybe spoke words or, or did something that made a difference.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, again, moments that and maybe it's because reading was hard that I have a very photographic memory. I, I just remember things in pictures. I can remember that kid's face in third grade. But I can also remember standing in a hallway here at Holland Christian High School my junior year while I was in, uh, in the tech center. And so the winter had started to come, and so I bought my first pair of Carhartt insulated bibs. Oh, it was very cozy. And I wore those things to school probably uh, October to March. And I just kept them on because apparently I thought it looked really cool, which obviously was the Kids case. Is not wearing those anymore? didn't I catch. I don't know.
1: Cam, where's your overall I, bibs?
0: I, they're at home. Big trendsetter yeah. I am, obviously. <laughs> um, and I remember standing outside my uh, classroom in the afternoon in my Carhartt bibs, uh, probably end of October, early November, And I was going to go to English class. And standing outside the door, and the teacher was coming in, and all of a sudden tapped me on the shoulder and I spun around thinking, oh, man, what assignment didn't I turn in on time? And he said, hey, I hear you build things. And I said, I do build things. I like building things, as I stand there, of course, in Carhartt bibs looking the part. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And he said, great. I need someone to help finish building the set for the play that's coming up here at the end of November. I'm like, well, that seems like something I'm good at. Um, he was, his name is Marlo in He teaches in Pella, Iowa now. Um, and so from that moment on, I became involved in the theater department. Mm-hmm. And that is probably one of the top five most formative moments in my life. I, I attribute Tech Center. And that moment of joining the theater department as large contributors to why I 'm in education <laughs> um, which is crazy, right that I would yeah. think of tech center and like joining an extracurricular as why I became a teacher. Um, but it is I think it's because I felt a success in school and then became involved in the stuff of school um, and I just fell in love with doing theater stuff um, and Again, maybe not knowing it at the moment as a junior in high school that I just joined because I was good at building stuff. I didn't know that I loved stories Mm -hmm. so much. Um, And so the whole idea of a play or a musical uh, really captivated me in understanding, like, how does this all fit together? And then the technical side, I was able to understand how all those pieces aided in our engagement in a story. And realizing oh, that, that there's a lot of pieces that, and then again, like all those things taught me a lot about what happens in a classroom. Uh, the physical space aids in our learning, just like a set mm. aids in our engagement in a story. Um, the lighting in a story also changes how you learn, um, which makes sense, right? You turn off all the lights, all the kids go to sleep. So like, <laughs> we understand that. And yet to think about every <laughs> aspect of a classroom matters. And so therefore, that, I think, then in my uh, education and becoming a teacher, like thinking about, again, faith formation and faith integration, that matters. The intentionality that I put into that matters deeply. And I think I started to learn that as I thought about theater and how all Hmm. these pieces matter for the telling of that story. The telling of a story of what God is up to in our world and how all these content areas that we teach in a school pour into that, so too does the cause of Christ and how that matters in our teaching. All that stuff <laughs> is a big deal for me. And I learned that because I joined these kinds of things. This is like, Dave, for me this is
1: like watching the prequel to a friendship that I love and have been blessed by for years and years. Knowing you, somebody who, lo- who loves musicals, you know, whenever we're in the car, it's typically musical soundtracks going on. I mean, <laughs> I'm super manly, so I don't know what vehicle you're riding in. It's obviously not Sorry, mine. I, to give that detail away.
0: <laughs> it's a truck, by the way. It's Continue. a truck. It's a uh-huh. a manly yeah, truck. Very, you should yes, see it. It's, it's
2: crazy. Uh, Spikes on the... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> lots of swords. down the side. Oh,
1: swords. <laughs> I don't know what that is. But means. that's so great. That you just took us back to this moment when a teacher said something, just noticed, and yeah, it's crazy to me just thinking about what's what's the. I don't even know the teacher, Marlo.
0: Marlowe in person, MVP we called them because that's his okay. initials.
1: If Marlo, there's so many moments I have in my day where it's like, should I say something or should I, you know, just and realizing how him saying, I'm gonna notice this kid, I'm gonna say something, and how. That's really tra- changed and I'm everything here. for Totally. Yeah. And mm-hmm. now your impact on so many lives here, that, that's crazy. It yeah. all goes back. I blame him to this I moment. mean, really. Marlo, uh, this is yeah. your fault.
0: It is. <laughs> and I have told him that explicitly. I've, I've spoken oh, cool. at a conference Good. out in uh, Iowa at the Heartland Convention, I, and he was in the crowd, and I'm weeping on stage, mm-hmm. which is very abnormal for me if you know me, obviously. It is. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, again, very manly person <laughs> over here. Uh, and yet, um, in, in telling it in front of him which he's known mm. but again telling a crowd of people again just the impact that we have as educators on the orientation of students um, it is one of my favorite things to do is to talk to students and say hey I think you should think about being a teacher mm. I mean I don't take that lightly because it is it's a it's a tough job I tell them you'll never go home uh, <laughs> and not just like Physically, you will, but emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, you don't. You carry what these students are going through with you every day and every moment. And so it's a, it's a, it's a burdensome job, and yet there are students walking these halls right now that, for the cause of Christ, they should be teachers because hmm. they've got it. And it's fun and intimidating to say that to them because I, I know the weight of those words, because those words weighed on me. And 15 years later, here I am. Um, and so those are, those are really kind of really humbling moments for me. And, and I think really sacred moments to talk to students. And it's not just in, in the area of education, just to talk to students and say, this is what I see in you. This is who, who other people are saying. I love, I was challenged once by a former colleague, Josh Rumso. We we're sitting oh. at the lunch table, and uh, a kid is coming through the lunch line. I'm like, man, that kid is great. Just this, you know, I told a little story, about something I saw him do. And Rumsa just shouts, "I said, hey, Billy! We'll say Billy, because I don't know it wasn't his name." He says, "Come over here." He said, "Mr. Mustard was just bragging about you and what and hmm. what you just did." And I'm just sitting there, like awkward, right? This is a super awkward moment. And finally, that kid leaves, and after we like pump him up a little bit, and Rumsa says to me, he "says I've I've made a decision to never talk well about somebody behind their back." Hmm. Mm. I, I was, that was again is really a cool motto to live by because so often I might you know say to them, oh man that was a really cool comment that so and so made like I want to tell them that yeah. too um, and encourage them to continue in those things so yeah our our words carry weight in that
2: um, so you I uh, I know another man walking these halls who's going around saying you should be a teacher um, Mr Hiskis. Did he happen to play a role in your life and give you that idea to tell kids?
0: Uh, yeah, I think there's, we, for our freshman winter class, we did a, some trivia stuff for staff, you know, HC staff trivia. And we asked the question how many Holland Christian high school faculty members are Holland Christian <laughs> graduates? And I think it was 14. Wow. And I bet out of those 14, 13 of them are here because of Mark mm-hmm. Um Yeah. When I was, I had him my senior year, and he was one. I had him for English four. um, And yet, again, despite that, that wasn't my, at that time, but though because of him, I became increasingly a lover of literature. He was one of them. He, Rod Branson, RVL, um, and another teacher, Steve Wienstra, that were very instrumental in encouraging me, saying, you really got to think about being a teacher. And I think God, through his mercy and grace and timing, slowly moved me there through the encouragement of people like Mr. Hiskis and Mr. Branson and Mr. Veenstra and and RVL. Those are and, and Marlo, Van Person, MVP. Those are those those people that really did speak into my life. Um, into then moving into the study of an RVL and uh, Rod Branson, mostly in the idea of like you've got this, you got a knack for biblical studies. Um, and and, and intentionality around how scripture informs our life. And so those are things that, again, kind of pushed me into the content areas of my studies to become a teacher. I
2: I love that. I I feel like we so often, like, we're like, oh, yeah, I'll pray about that. We have to make a decision, like going to college for me. Like, yeah, I'll pray about it. But then we expect God to, like, speak from the clouds and be like, yes or no. But he, he works through people. Always. And yeah that's something we got to remember
0: you bet that's good that's really good he from the beginning has chosen human partners to do his will Mm -hmm. and he keeps doing that and i Mm -hmm. often forget that (laughs) yeah sadly Mm -hmm. but yeah it was a a good journey for sure of of then going through school and particularly in the area of biblical studies to hone what it was that i believed so deeply um, and then bring that here to holland christian
2: and then in in a chapel you uh, seem to recite a lot of biblical passages. I thought you were going
0: to say cry. You
2: seem I to love. cry. That's so. true, I too. Lunch. Both no. <laughs> equal. Yeah. But I, I see heart. you reciting yeah. like all these passages in chapel, or whether it's the beginning or to send us off. But as you said, I almost never see you reading. Yeah. So yeah, that yeah. must take quite a love for Scripture in itself. What, yeah. What kind of studies do you have there?
0: So I think... It started initially when I, again, through the encouragement of others, started to do more teaching at churches, right? And with a a belief deeply that that moment where we gather together as God's people should be centered around the will and the heart of God, which is then revealed in His Word, that because I wasn't a good reader, that the way that I could communicate that was through reciting it. I also started to realize that the way in which I said the words, again, this is coming from a theatrical background, right the way that I said the words, and particularly the words of God or of Jesus, mm. impacted the way in which they were interpreted.
1: Oh man, yeah. And I think so that true. so
0: often, when we hear them spoken, we forget that there was a there's a there's a person behind mm-hmm. it. Jesus said these things. Mm. He usually didn't say them like this. Yeah, Come right. Come to right. me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will... Right? Like, that's not how Jesus... I, maybe it is. Maybe that's the way he talked. Maybe I'm just crazy. <laughs> but I, I, there's... So I, when I recite it, I also think, what is what is the... What is he communicating here? And his voice mm. changes. Mm. when, you, yeah. Like, mine does. My voice changes when I'm trying to communicate something to my children based on mm. whether it's they're hurt and I'm trying to comfort them or mm. I'm, like, trying to discipline them because they just... Hit their brother, right? Yeah. Like, there's my my voice changes, and so how is Jesus saying these things? Mm. And the best way for me to again communicate that is through the reciting of it, hmm. and it's not because of this, I just was able to then recall the words in my head because it's not just a recitation; it's an internalization that Scripture comes into who we are, and then it flows back out, um, and so. It comes out in ways that sometimes I don't always anticipate. And I have had it, too, or probably on the chapel stage, too, where I'm caught up in the emotion of the moment because the heart of God is being revealed Mm -hmm. in the words of Jesus, let's say. And it is just stunning and beautiful and captivating and kind. And through that, I experience who He is. Mm
1: -hmm. I remember being a student teacher here, Dave, uh, almost 10 years ago and you were doing a chapel, and I remember you recited Scripture. It was during Holy Week, and I remember thinking, I don't think I've ever heard that text before. And then realizing, wait, yes, I have 500 times. Yeah. <laughs> but just the the realization, like, when it's brought to life, when you yeah. realize, yeah, it's so easy just to be a static reader and, and just kind of blah, 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 blah. But when you see something read and brought to life and performed, you all of a sudden realize the heart of God at work in the Scriptures. It's yeah, such a powerful
0: experience. And I think that's just it, right? Is that we can hear it well, mm. and it's not to say, right, that it's irreverent because I don't think it is. I, don't, I think we've conflated the concept of reverency with monotone. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and I did. just don't think that's, I just don't think that's the way in which we can always be reverent. It's a posture of the heart and the mind and the way in which we are submitting our lives holding completely to the sovereign good pleasure of God. And that comes through in his heart as well um, as communicated through Scripture. And that's through a lot of different emotions. Mm-hmm. Jesus is crying out and Jesus says sternly as the text informs the the words. So what if we were to say them that same way? Mm. Um I think can be that, helpful.
1: That, you, Okay, it's coming back to That was it, actually. It was Jesus crying out on the cross, and, sure. you, and you yelled I out that out. Aramaic phrase, and you yelled, and like in the scriptures, he's yelling, too. He cries out, but I just had never – I remember getting goosebumps. Mm. And they yeah. were like, whoa. And all of a sudden, it was this experience with Jesus on the cross in actual suffering and calling out. To, it was just like, oh, whoa. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So cool.
2: I, uh, I find myself trying to read the Bible as a high schooler and it's like honestly a lot of the time boring because I feel like I'm just mm-hmm. reading, getting through the words, but I don't have this emotion behind it. So to understand the tone that the words are being spoken in and it's not like Jesus wept and I'm screaming it because it's, right. yeah, yeah, right, yeah right. but to understand like how things are being said, it adds emotion to the text and then actually makes it enjoyable to read.
0: Yeah, and I think maybe again that's a way in which we have been formed mm. by the reading of it in our past. Right? I read it without the emotion because mm-hmm. that's how it's always been read to me. Yeah. In my past. And so again, do we have to kind of break some of those molds? We have to learn a new way of reading. Mm-hmm. 'Cause I don't read other texts that way. Right? I approach other texts differently. I read a novel and I if it says so and so's crime, I read it that way, even if it's silently in my head, like I'm I'm feeling that emotion. Yeah. But we come to the the Bible, I think, differently because we've been formed by the way it has been read to us. Mm-hmm. And I think again, not to say those things are wrong, but there might be more. Hmm. Right. We always say that same thing, like my son who's in second grade is doing math problems, right? It's not to say that just learning addition is wrong. It's not. He needs to know those things. But there's way more you can do Mm. with math than just addition. Division. Division, even. (laughs) And then things like um, (laughs) other math words I can't (laughs) think of. Three of of
1: us can sit here for a few minutes trying to Uh, uh, brainstorm. Trigonometry. Trigonometry.
0: Trigonometry and... Pi. <laughs> pi? You can do pi. You can do pi with it. Yeah. Uh-huh. X equals negative... Uh, Seven. Anyway. I think that there's, there's more. Yeah. And I think that's what, if we again go back to why I do what I do, is because I want students to understand there's more. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, amen. I love babe. that. That's something that I've been learning and love to try to communicate students to as a Bible teacher. I had a, it was actually like an art history class in college where I, this one's in my background, I didn't care about it. And so I'd engage a piece and just kind of like, okay, cool. Or I liked it, or I didn't like it, or something really simple. Um, and I remember my professor said, I could look at this the rest of my life and not be done with a particular piece. And I sure. remember thinking like, what? Like, <laughs> And it was this, he had this appreciation, this this realization that there's so much going on here that, that I'll never quite be done. And And then translating that, I think that's true of the scriptures too. And even that sometimes it manifests in kind of a playful way with tone how is this said and maybe trying it like this or reading it like this and and all the while asking god to reveal through his holy spirit what like
0: what's going on here yeah asking god to speak and i think and that all gets us to something Hmm. right like we said at the beginning all that forms us then just a little bit more into the likeness of christ and that's again as, as an institution and what i've committed my life's work to is to help students see Jesus and in that right there is hope and there is freedom both into eternity and today as we partner with him to bring about his purposes again that that's what I love about the reform perspective that that vision of the restorative work of God is at work right now where I'm at in the places that God has me mm. and he has called me to something then. Um, the, the, the hope of eternity is there for sure, but there's also hope today. It's why the things that we have walked through uh, through our right tenure here, my tenure here at Holland Christian, of, of the difficulties, the, the deaths and the tragedies, we walk through it with hope, hope of where those who we have lost might be in this moment, but also hope for us as we continue to walk here together. Um, and that is, I can't imagine walking through life without that Mm. and without people like you. As we walk this together, uh, it is a faith meant to be lived out as a community. And so it is so humbling to do that here every day. It's why summer is a nice little break. But boy, oh boy, are we clawing to get (laughs) back together, walking, living, doing life together in a way that brings about the kingdom. It's just, it's a great place to be.
1: Hey, can I ask you a really simple kind of annoying question right now? I've got a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a one-year-old. The two-year-old especially is just saying why about everything. You keep talking about becoming more like Jesus. What is it about this Jesus guy that's so captivated you? Or, or just put simply, why do you love Jesus?
2: Mm.
0: So a, again, talking about formative moments, my senior year of high school, my, our Bible teacher um, Rod Branson, was. we were in, in Bible class, and he was talking about how there was a Marilyn Manson concert coming to town. And um, this was right after Van Andel Arena was built, and so Marilyn Manson coming to Grand Rapids was a big deal.
2: Cam, do you know who Marilyn Manson is? I feel like I've heard the name. Couldn't tell you anything beyond that. Bites off some rat
0: heads. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he get, was get notorious reputation. for doing things that were sensationalizing uh, a performance into the level of the grotesque or, or things like mm. this. And not a fan of Jesus, we'll say that, um, mm. or, 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 or explicit follower of his. I don't know what now where, where he's at in life, but in 1999, that was the case. Um and so there was a lot of stuff being written about this concert coming to Grand Rapids, right, the, the center of where there's a, a large faith community. And our Bible teacher, so the, all these writings are like, oh, we got to come and we've got to boycott, we got to picket this showing up. And our Bible teacher just said, what if it would happen if you know, a group of people went just to be Jesus, mm. to show love and kindness and to, to, to just have a presence? And so my friend and I looked at each other like, well, we should probably then go to do that. And <laughs> cool. so we went up after class to our teacher, Mr. Branson, said, so what are you <laughs> doing tonight? And he's like, I, um, nothing, why? He kind of forgot that he said that. Right? He <laughs> says, well, we're, you want to go? We're going to go. And it was this great moment, again, I can just totally picture his mind being, doing backflips like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what have I said? <laughs> what is the principal going to say <laughs> when I tell him I'm going to take kids to the Marilyn Manson concert? <laughs> But he did. We all piled in he Mr. Did. Branson's. He went to a Marilyn Manson concert uh, we with had, you in an ocean. Well, and five of us. Yes. Five of That's us is the worst that students yes. do what teachers tell them. It's, yeah. it's oh, you got to be careful Good you thing say. there's no
1: Instagram or something like that. I know.
0: And so we all in Mr. Branson's minivan went down there. And, I mean, I could tell a lot of stories about that moment. But one of them being we ended up sitting in a circle with some other folks doing the same thing that we were. Mm. And a guy sitting next to me, we're just kind of sharing our faith journeys. And the guy sitting next to me says, you know, I had one of those stories of, you know, I was deep into drugs and Christ saved me. Um, and I'm so blessed to be called his own and live in that hope. And then it was my turn. And I remember saying, man, I, I don't really have a, a, a really good story. I've always known the love of God through his son, Jesus. And he was sitting to my left because then he grabbed my left arm and I'm like, oh, no, who is this one? Not what happened, right? And he just looks me square, and then I look over to him, and he looks me in the eyes, and he says, that is the best story I've ever heard. <laughs> i give wow. anything to be able to say that I've known Jesus my whole life. That changed me, obviously, um, because what a gift, right? What mm-hmm. a gift to have walked with Jesus my whole life. Um, And so I've I've never known life apart from that hope. And I bless God for calling me that early in my life uh, that I don't know life without him. Um, And yet, every step of that has drawn me closer into his heart, into his love. I remember for the first time sitting on the shores of the Sea of Galilee and thinking, this is what my Jesus saw. And for the first Mm -hmm. time, he became like, a person he was always this idea Hmm, right mm -hmm. of oh yeah yeah, he was historic i know he would live and all these i know that'll happen but it became really visceral when i saw the same sights that he saw even though in his divinity sees all things but like he was he sat there too and that just blew my mind Hmm. and then that increasing call to say come follow me take up your cross and follow me I just, there has never been anything more exciting, invigorating, challenging, and beautiful all at the same time than living into the heart and love of Jesus. I just, I'm captivated by it. And I can't think outside of it Mm. because Mm. of his love and grace. So, amen.
2: You were a high schooler once, I'm sure. As I was. We've talked about a little <laughs> Kind bit. of been for the last 15 or 20 yeah. years. Um, if you were to be able to go back to your high school self and have a little chat, what would you say?
0: Oi. I think just that. Like, oi, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, why do you keep wearing those Carhartt bibs all day long? It's <laughs> hot in there and you think you're cool. Um, I think I, I can. It was in classroom 31, which is now where the teacher's lounge is, Um, and it was in Mr. Baker's class. I had him freshman year for math. He taught math, because Mr. Baker can teach all things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember making fun of a student um, so I would look cooler. And... You know, in hindsight, you can see that it was based in my own insecurities and all these things. But uh, Philip Zimbardo, a famous social psychologist, uh, one of his lines that I love is Psychology is not excusiology. Mm. Um, Knowing that that was those, that mockery I made of that student was rooted out of my own insecurities as an excuse, my behavior gives understanding to how I might address the behavior moving forward, uh, but it doesn't excuse it. Um, I, would, I, would just, I would like to talk to myself about looking beyond myself. Mm. Um, I think, again, looking at the life of Jesus, he obviously models that perfectly as he looks around and sees clearly those around him. And he sees into their heart, um, which I think is, is, is both rooted out of his divinity, but also just because he was paying attention. Uh, because I've learned that in my own life, that if I can pay attention better um, to what's happening around me, I can actually be Jesus better. Um, and I just wasn't, I wasn't doing that, particularly my freshman and sophomore year. Um, I, I was really selfish. And again, maybe because I wasn't great at school, I wasn't athletic, I wasn't involved in theater yet, that I became really, really quick with my tongue. I was, I was, I can come back with the best of them and just, and, and I can shut somebody up real quick. Yeah. Um, and I would, and I did too much probably, uh, not probably, I did too much in high school, um, particularly those younger years, that I would like to talk to myself to help myself understand. And again, I think joining the theater department and having a different group of friends that I could be myself around, um, I could live into the gifts that I had, I could discover new ones. I think that insecurity then started to fade, so then therefore so too did that desire to prove myself to those around me. Um, in that way, um, went away, and yet I wish that would have started earlier.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, as a high schooler, I can speak into the ability to say something to tear someone down is a lot easier than the ability to go out of your way and try to build someone up or be like, hey, nice job.
0: It's interesting, isn't it, how building someone up, it seems as though, at least earlier on, at least in my life it was, that that didn't build me up but tearing someone down did for some reason felt like it built me Mm. up even though it didn't it felt like it in the moment it's just interesting how what a lie the devil tries to tell us Mm -hmm. that that's how things work Mm. um and it just doesn't so yeah
1: hey dave we got to go the bell's about to ring here in just a minute but can i just say anybody who's been here for any period of time when i talk to people about the history of Holland christian about what this place has been like historically and what it's like now. I hear so many people talk about, you know, this shift in terms of culture, in terms of the way teachers and students relate, the way, the kind of the ethos of this place. And I don't think it's a coincidence that so many people take it back, oh, 15-ish years, you know, a lot of these changes Mm -hmm. started happening. And I, I, yeah, I, I can't imagine what this place would be like without you and i can't imagine just even a glimpse of this place without your imp- impact and influence over the past 15 years so thank you for yeah. everything that you do mm. a lot of it on stage and a lot of it not on stage because mm. i drive by this place and i see dave mustard set up chairs for a staff meeting or <laughs> you know 10 o'clock at night him in here working and uh, that a lot of that goes
0: unnoticed and thank you Oh no thank you it's it is again a humbling place to work and be a part uh a small part in the in the kingdom building work that is happening in these halls and in these classrooms every day it's it's a pretty beautiful job <laughs> yeah. there's
1: the bell i like it the the bell that was, that oh was that was good
2: yeah hey go maroons go maroons go maroons